755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Hey, welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? How you doing, man? Not much. It's smoky out here. We got some fires, so. Man, the whole kind city of made it was. through most of the summer without it. Yeah. It was so visible at the uh, yeah. at the game. I mean, the guy literally lost a pop up in the smoke. I haven't seen that yeah. before. That's yeah, crazy. It covers the whole man. states. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that was pretty extreme. Um, fortunately, none of that here in San Francisco. It's beautiful, man. Um, dude, let, let's start by let's start on a sad note. But with the news yesterday, you you uh, you texted me when I was in a plane yesterday about Anthony Varvaro. What a just a tragic story, man. A great, great guy that you were friends with. He died yesterday. For oh, those who man. don't know, he died in a car crash yesterday. He had become a uh, New York cop, gone to transit authority cop school and became a cop. And and yesterday dies in a auto in a car crash. Somebody went the wrong way on right on and and, and a on collision. the turnpike, yeah, and a collision. He was on his way. To the 9/11 memorial to take part in it. He was going to help with the with the 9/11 memorial yesterday. It's yeah, just brutal. Um, I was eating breakfast. I was eating breakfast, and Medlin called me, and it's like seven in the morning, and I was thinking, you know, why Medlin calling me at seven in the morning? But you know, I, sometimes you don't feel like talking yeah. that early if somebody's having yeah. you know what's going on or whatever. And then I thought about it, and I was like why would he be calling me at seven in the morning? So I answered it and he was on the other line just crying. And I guess he was just telling, he was filling us all in what happened, but yeah, Anthony was on his way to help out with a nine uh, 11 memorial service and somebody's going the wrong way on the turnpike and crashed into him head on. I mean, unbelievable, man. It's brutal. I mean, he's got a family, wife, kids, 37 years old. This One is of the a greatest guy that, dudes too. This is a guy that, uh, yeah, one of the nicest guys that I ever covered, ever. man. And one of the one of the few guys that I don't I don't know a few, but I mean, a guy that had a major league career, and you know, instead of going on and and using you know baseball and going to coach somewhere or whatever afterwards or work as a scout or for somebody or an assistant or whatever in an organization. The guy became a cop, man, to serve people, yeah. making a fraction of what he used to make playing baseball, putting his life in line. And, and he wasn't doing this, you know, in Lawrence, Kansas, where I went to school. He's doing this in New York City. Yeah. Um, so what a guy. Something he always man. wanted to do. He was um he was one of the just one of those dudes that you can't see and not smile. Yeah, you know, he didn't say a lot, but he always had this look on his face, like he knew what you were really up to. You know, like he knew the scoop on you, and he just he had this sly little smile that always just you know kind of broke the ice. And every day, same guy, every day, good mood. Um, rookies, anybody in the clubhouse, he always treated them the same. Treated every single person, you know, the, the clubhouse guys. I mean, it, it's who you want to be. Honestly, it's it's. Every day he's nice to every single person he comes across, treats everybody with respect. Uh, like that I don't us, know man. anybody that would have a bad thing to say about him. One of my, like just one of my us. favorite people to be around. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, you're right. I mean, every time you go over and you need to ask him a question or whatever, you walk up to him and you'd, and you'd start smiling because you knew he was going to be so pleasant to yep. talk to him. Yep. So anyway. Um, Sucks. So that's rough, man. It uh, and, and for those who might who have might not seen it, Ken Rosenthal tweeted a link to a GoFundMe uh, for his family. Um, Port Authority police officer in New York, New Jersey, and uh, yeah, if you go to if you go to uh, Ken's uh, Twitter feed, and I retweeted it too, so it's on mine, and it's a GoFundMe collection for the Vervaro family, organized by Matthew Martino. Um, and if you guys want to help out, there it is. So, uh, yeah, geez. Um, so yeah, I mean, it puts some things into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Here, here we're going to talk about some bad stuff with baseball and some good stuff with baseball, but it's all, it's all a game. It's all our, our careers, professions. Yes, but it's not life. It's not literally life and death, you know? And this is a guy left yeah. a family behind and, and just dies suddenly on this way to do something to pay tribute, yeah, you know, to people who who died in service. So, uh, all right, listen, uh, the Braves got got that series in Seattle, man. They lose two out of three games, but it just tells you how fast things can turn when yeah. they in that that game yesterday was one of the craziest games that I can recall of an important game, you know, and and I mean between two teams that could go as far as they. They could go all the, that. I mean, that that wouldn't shock me if that was a World Series matchup there. I don't think it will be. I think one of those teams is, will probably make it. Or, you know, I think the Braves have a lot better chance of making it than the Mariners. But the Mariners can make the World Series. There's no doubt they are that good, especially with the Yankees not being, they're a shell of the team they were at the start of the yeah. year. Uh, and there's nobody in the AL that's running away with it. Uh, the Mariners are really good. Uh, with that Luis Castillo pickup at the uh, trade deadline, their their rotation is strong. And yesterday, I mean, it was one of those games that the Braves had in recent years that's in their DNA seemingly under Snit. They're down 6-2, two outs in the ninth, down to their last strike. They get two home runs from Harris and Grossman, and they lead 7-6 to six all of a sudden. And that crowd – yeah. Huge crowd is just silence. They're like, except for the Braves fans, there was a lot of Braves fans. But um, all of a sudden, the Braves are up 7-6 and in position to win the series after being yesterday doing nothing for most of yeah. nine innings, doing nothing and looking like they're going to you know lose, lose that game with just a sputtering offense and lose the series. Then all of a sudden, it looks like you know they're going to win this series and that and leave there with huge momentum. And Kenley comes in and gives up back to back or not back to back, but gives up two solo homers in the ninth and they get walked off. So that's how fast the emotions went from down here to up here to down here. Just a crazy, crazy game and an underscored. Well, we've talked about I mean, for a couple of weeks now with Kenley. Yeah. I mean, it was four home run, four game changing home runs in about 10 minutes. It felt like. Including never two by the presumptive rookies of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. I, Rodriguez is going to get rookie of the year, hands down, in the AL. But I think Harris has got to I don't to know how him. you can watch that that Harris at bat. I don't either. Off a really tough reliever. And he's just done it so many times. It wasn't random. It wasn't like, oh, look, he got a big hit. He does, I was watching that at bat. Like, this motherfucker's going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to get a big it, hit here. 
I've never, I've been a while since I've seen somebody go up there and with the confidence you have in them in the late and close situations yep. that ninth inning. And and you're talking about a player who was the, mo- the youngest player in the majors for most of the year. He's now second youngest, but I know what Strider's done is good enough to win rookie of the year in a lot of years. And he's done Definitely. historic things with strikeouts, but you can't give it to me. You can't give it to a guy who became a starting pitcher at the end of May and has done great stuff every five days over a guy who's been, he's arguably been the Braves MVP now. I mean, he's my, my he might've moved ahead of Austin Riley. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy hitting 310 with a, with an OPS over 900. In center field. In center field playing gold glove defense and has been the best hitter on the team in the late and close situations. And this is a team with some clutch hitters like Dansby Swanson. It, he he did he got one strike in that at bat yesterday, maybe two. I mean, it was a generous. There was a lot of generous calls. I felt like the ump was had a had a flight to catch or something. So he was yeah. calling to get that game over with. And there was borderline pitches, definitely off the plate that Castillo got, and then Harris gets one hanging slider and hits it seven thousand feet. Again, those those stat cast estimates. That ball was destroyed off the top of the hit of here cafe, and they said four thirty. Like. It's one of the farther balls I've seen yeah. in that stadium to right field. Yeah, the estimates in that series were all were all messed up, man. Yeah, I didn't I didn't understand that. Um, by the way, in scoring position, with runners in scoring position now, Michael Harris is hitting four hundred. He's twenty eight for seventy. Wow. He leads the majors among guys who've had at least sixty at bats with runners in scoring position. Leads the majors. He's hitting 400 with four homers and an 1118 OPS, 671 slugging percentage in with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I mean, he's that's what I'm saying. It's not like he's just done this here and there. It's it feels like every time he comes up in a big situation with runners on, game on the line, even if he doesn't get a knock, it's a damn tough at bat. And most of the time he gets a knock or does something. The, the only guys with OPS higher than him, 60 ABs or more, runners in scoring position, the only guy, three guys in the majors with OPS higher than him, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge, Shohei Atoni, and Bryce Harper. It's good company. <laughs> uh, MVPs and future MVP. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's good company. I mean, this kid, this kid might get MVP votes. If he keeps this up, he's going to get MVP votes and yeah. finish – well into the top ten, if he keeps this up for another four weeks, I think he's. I think yeah. he's going to move ahead of Austin Riley. Maybe people see yeah, him so too. He's, he's doing it in big games. He's doing it on TV, big games. Yeah, yeah he's got to get. For me, he's got to get Rookie of the Year. If that didn't cement it yesterday, you know, I mean, just it's kind of like you know, Strider does something, and it's like, ooh, he's having a really good season, and then Harris just comes out and does that. Reminds you. He reminds you every time. Yeah, and that's and that is not at all to dismiss what Strider's done because no. it's been unbelievable. It's Strider's been, been terrific and good enough to win Rookie of the Year most years. But what Harris is doing does not happen from rookies. I mean, him and Julio Rodriguez both, but Harris, what he's doing, especially in clutch situations, he has been. This team is nowhere, not even close to where they are without Michael Harris. No, I agree. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. 
what a, what a, what a series and what a really brutal loss for the Braves. Uh, that's a wrenching one to come back like that in the ninth and then so quickly to see it go up in flames. And, a, and, a, and, a, and I think they, the, the part that a lot of fans have a problem with is they and I did not feel confident at all, even after they come back and take a one-run lead. Yeah. You don't see, you don't feel confident when Kenley goes out there now, and that's not the feeling you want to have with your closer. With your closer, you're supposed to have that opposite feeling. You're supposed to feel like this game's won. Uh, yeah, it's a wrap. Yeah, you just don't I have it right I, now, I feel, with the, I feel the same way. You know, it's it's tough because I've thought about it, and if you don't throw him in the ninth, when are you throwing him? Um, you know, I mean, it's. I don't know that he can do these other roles, but I also agree that when yeah. when he comes into the game right now, it's like it just seems like a lot of chance. You know, it seems like yeah. he's getting by by throwing really you know, nasty movement in random locations. You know, he hasn't been locating like like normal. And you know, I saw Contreras back there trying to trying to adjust with him because he he throw call a cutter and he'd miss middle in. Yeah. So then he tried a different pitch. He tried sinker. He tried curveball. So he went to the curveball against Rodriguez, threw an okay one, not very good, kind of backed up on him, but it was down. And then he tried to give him a chance to correct it, and he doubled up on the curveball. And you know, I don't, I don't know if maybe it's just this year, or maybe it's always been that way. But I don't know if Kenley's secondary stuff has ever been that great. It's right. just the fact that his cutter is such a tough pitch to hit. Right. That when you mix in those other pitches and they give you a different look, you get some bad swings. Right. But throwing back to back curveballs to Julio right there, and the second one's on a tee, yep. you know, gives up a bomb. And then Suarez, he tried to go sinker in because he, he's he's backing up that cutter into a kind of a danger zone, right? Mm-hmm. He's he misses he's missing arm side with a pitch that's supposed to go glove side. And when you almost push it, it winds up kind of balancing out the break it's supposed to have and the angle you throw it on to where it just stays straight. So Contreras tries to over the middle. Yep. And Contreras tries to call off that. So he tries to call the sinker, but I I really just think yesterday they hadn't seen enough cutters yet to try to trick him and he's got to stay with his strength. But I mean, the catchers are in a tough spot when he keeps backing up his cutter middle because that's really the only spot righties are going to do serious damage against him. Yeah, those two pitches were right over the middle, man. Yeah. Um, and they were crushed. And it was over. And it's that's kind of the thing, you know, with the – why I'm saying I don't know how he can do these other roles is because he's got the, he's got the deception, he's got the movement, he's got the uh, extension to where he's a really tough guy to put together an inning against. Like, he's throwing – when he throws a bad cutter, it's still up in the zone. He gets him to swing under it. Then he throws a good one. They get it off the end of the bat. He's throwing this – I'm not going to call it random. I don't know if there's a method to what he's doing. You know, I don't know if he can make it cut one time and make it kind of stay straight the next. He might be able to. He's been doing it for long enough. But if you're just throwing a shit ton of movement and you can get in the zone, like you got a good you have good odds of getting through an inning. But if I bring you in second and third in the eighth and I need a yeah. strikeout – I don't know that he can dictate a strikeout. Right. I think he can. I think he can pitch to contact and get bad combat uh, contact, but it might be a bloop single. When you look at Iglesias and Minner in those situations in the eighth, they can come in and they can pitch to a strikeout. Right. 
So I don't, right. you know, I'm not saying you have to keep him closing. I just think the Braves are trying so hard to get him right closing. Yeah. Because it'd be extremely convenient for how the rest of your pen stacks up if he stays closing and he gets right. But I'm sure they're yeah. they're getting to the point where everybody's at where it's, you know, it's it's tough to it's tough to have a closer you don't feel confident in. Yeah, that's a great point and uh and that is a that is the predicament. But at this point, yeah, it's like you're now. Now you're down the stretch. You're, you're you know, this is not cutting time, and you get each of these games is so huge. If you got to win, the, if you want to win the division, and I agree, you can't bring him in with runners on base. You have to limit him to starting the seventh or eighth inning clean. Yep, and then getting him out of there if he runs into trouble. And sure, he can blow a game in the seventh or eighth inning too. But I think you don't bring him into the ninth inning in a close game like that, and that's why I think Iglesias is pitching too well not to use, not to have him closing games now. I just well, I text you when Iglesias his last outing, and yeah, I mean he didn't miss the glove, and I said, yeah. shit, this guy looks good. And, you know, I, I I basically my thought is I don't know how Kenley would handle being asked to do a different role or what that conversation looks like, but I'd probably have it and just be like, hey, do you think you can? Cause, yeah, because Iglesias just looks. I mean, he's he's not missing the glove. He's throwing three different pitches, and and he's placing them in areas where he can't get hurt really consistently. And he seems to me like a guy that can manipulate an inning and and really pitch right now. And I mean, he looks great. He's got really good stuff too. Yeah, whatever issues Iglesias was having with the Angels before the trade, he seems to have rectified because he's pitching like peak Iglesias now. Yep. I mean, he looks great. Yeah. And they got him signed for three more years. So I'm sure they're like going, this is, they, and they obviously knew it was fixable, whatever problems he was having, because he still had some good numbers, some good secondary numbers, some, some analytics, you know, on his pitches, even though the results weren't great with the angels, you know, basically ballooned by a couple of really bad outings where he yeah. know, let everybody score and bases loaded and a couple of things. But, um, they obviously knew there was nothing wrong with him physically and he was still throwing hard and, and still damn good because they got they committed to three more years of him at what eighteen million a year. So that's the that's the positive. It's Bray's got their closer going forward. They don't have to worry yeah. about fixing that for each year now, going year to year with anybody. But I think with Kenley, it's like, yeah, you gotta have that conversation and see how he takes it. And that, but you can't be worried about his feelings at this point either. I mean, he's not a guy you got he's not signed long term. He's not signed after this year. So No. I don't think it's worrying about his feelings. I think it's just you right. know, right. The, clo- you use the closer's you use role him? is the closer's role is comfy. You know exactly when you're going to pitch. Yep. You know yep. exactly when to warm up. There's never a time where you get hot in the sixth and then you warm up again in the eighth, and then you have to throw the top of the tenth. You know, it, there's it's just you look at the score. You're up by six. Keep your feet up. You know, or maybe stretch a little bit. You're up by three. All right, I probably got this. You start locking in and getting ready. It's it's so comfy. It's not easy. It's not an easy job, but it's a comfy right. job and it's a consistent job. When you start asking guys, and that's why I'm saying, you, you already know Minter can do it. You know Chavez can get ready for any situation you throw at him. Uh, you know Iglesias can do it. You know McHugh can do it. You know these guys right. can be ready at any time and handle this thing. Kenley hasn't been asked to do that. I don't know when the last time he wasn't the closer for a team was. So what's his yeah. routine look like? How Dodgers in a postseason. They won oh, a World Series right. without him closing. That's right. <laughs> they, jerked, yeah. they jerked him out of that role because yeah. of this. Right. Uh, and Yates is pitching a lot better lately. That's a good sign, you know, because for a while there, it was good looking kind of like, oh, is he? but he's he's looked a lot better lately. 
those four you mentioned, along with Yates, I mean, in a, in a, in you, you are going to need more from your relievers in a postseason this year without the off days, but uh, you might have enough there, especially since McHugh can go multiple innings. Um, you know, anything you get from Dylan Lee at this point, um, I leave anybody else out, but those those guys Matzik. you mentioned, though. I yeah, Matzik. Got, got yeah, guys obviously, down Matzik. There that can... obviously, Matzik is, is pitched much better, too. He's still not yeah. the Matzik of last year, though. No. Know? I mean, he's not a closer option, in my opinion, at this point. But, yeah, but he's your other guy. You got five guys there. You know, I'm not even counting Dylan Lee. Or, and, and I think Yates has moved into that, but he'd be your fifth. But you got four with Matzik and those other three guys that are really good. So – it's not – I don't think it's a, a thing where you have to have Kinley pitching. High leverage. Yeah. You want him. You, you hope he could adjust and pitch in seventh or eighth inning in, in important situations, but he doesn't have to. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, and here we are. We're having this conversation a year after the exact same scenario played out with Will Smith last yep. year. Yep. And you I know. was proven wrong, and I think a lot of others were proven wrong who thought Will Smith should have been replaced. You know? Yeah. I just don't – I don't know that Will Smith had – a stretch like like Kenley has gone through lately, it was just more. There was always there were it was always, always shit everywhere. Yeah, guys on base, just, right? It was right. scary every time, but he found a way. You know, and right? It, sometimes even that makes people want to be like, this guy can't be closing for us because he's giving us yeah. heart attack. But I, you know, it's, then, that's kind of why then, I'm trying to be fair here is because yeah. their best possible layout for their bullpen is if Kenley gets right. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. And I understand that he's struggling, and, and it's you're running out of you know you got to win the division. You don't have a comfy lead. You're right. running out of time for him to get right because you're gonna put yourself in a tough position in the playoffs if he doesn't. But ideally, he gets right, and then you have all these tools from the sixth to the eighth to get the ball to him. That they're all versatile guys. And 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 a difference between Will Smith last year, you had made that run and made up all that ground. And the Mets were falling off. And the Mets were not that tough. Nope. Last year, you, you felt you confident you could catch them. This year, they are that tough. So you feel like every game is so vital. And winning the division is so important this year. Not yep. just getting in the postseason, winning the division, getting a first round bye as one of the top two teams in the NL, not having to play a best of three wildcard series and use two or three, your top two or three starters. So winning the division is huge this year and each of these games. So it's a different situation than last year it is. where you feel like, you know, you feel like a blown save is so costly this year, whereas it didn't feel like it last year. I thought you had more time, even though I thought Will Smith should have been swapped out and I was wrong because he flipped that switch in the last week or two of the regular season and all the postseason, he was dynamite. So, but I just felt, you know, last year it wasn't as crucial you know, when everybody was howling for Will Smith, you know, to, to be replaced for the last two months of the season, I was like, Snit's loyal and they're still winning and they're still yeah. going to catch the Mets. You know, so it was a little different. I yeah, think that's I agree. Reason for the anxiety probably that people are feeling right now. Uh, Kenley's last seven appearances. He's 0-2, three blown saves, four saves, three blown saves. He's pitched five and two-thirds innings, given up seven hits, seven earned runs, four walks, and five strikeouts with a 1.94 whip his last seven appearances. 1.94? Yep. Oof. Yeah, I mean, it's, and that's the crazy thing. You look at his numbers on the whole for the year, 
Right. The ERA is the worst stat. The rest of them aren't bad. You know, his whip's good. Right. His batting average isn't bad. You know, it's, but that's kind of what I'm, you know, what I'm getting at is I don't know if he just needs to lock in or, or, or what he needs to fix, but it doesn't feel like he's in total control of the outings when he comes in. And I think that's what that makes you kind of uneasy about it is. Yeah. He's just relying on the movement. It's almost like he's wild within the zone. There's two types of control. You know, there's guys that can't throw strikes. And then there's guys that can throw strikes, but they're wild within the strike zone. And that's kind of where he's at. And he's wild with his movement. You know, I mean, it's the backup cutters, middle. You know, I mean, if it's if you're throwing cutters and you're just on the corner and one of them breaks off and one of them stays on the plate, but they're all kind of in this safety zone – yeah. He's just been missing in the nitro zone so much. And I mean, you saw it last night. Um, it, it makes it scary to bring the guy into a one run game. Yeah. Last 30 games, whip 1.24. Last 15 games, whip 1.46. Yeah. Last seven games, whip 1.94. So yeah, it's so obviously he's, going in the he's wrong off direction. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Last, last 15 games, the ERA is at 5.27. You know, the walks and then the home runs have not been an issue. It's been a solo here and there, or one home run, but two yesterday. That was that was a backbreaker, obviously. Obviously, speaking the most obvious time. Well, and he got beat on his second and third best pitch. Yeah. For me was was kind of the – there's something to read into there, whether it's he doesn't – his cutter's not very good right now or he's messing with the cutter a lot. But but what whatever Contreras saw that made him want to go away from Kenley's go-to, you know, his bread and butter – yeah, that for me is a yeah, bad yeah. sign too. It's like we're going to try curveballs and two seamers against guys that can take you deep if you miss in those spots. And yeah, man, we're seeing. Uh, speaking of the other guy that homered, the big homer in that inning, Grossman. Yeah, we're seeing why the Braves traded for him, aren't we? Yeah, he's, he's a good, good player, man. He's a yeah. good player. I like his compact. Yeah. He has good at bats. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are type of guys that. They don't get anybody excited when you get them, but then you add them to the to a lineup like the Braves had, and he's just he's just nice, just a nice like accessory piece to it. Just a good at bat, compact swing, getting some big knocks for him, never giving away an at bat. I mean, it's just a nice piece to add to it. You know, when you're when you're a pitcher and if that tough at bat comes up, the guy battles and he'll keep the ball in play, and he slaps a single, and you got Acuna up. You know, it's it's one yeah. of those guys that's really nice to have in your lineup. Yeah, they fixed him, man, because when he came over, his swing was a mess and he had been bad with Detroit this year. You're the Tigers, you got to, and you're their fans, you got to be looking at Odorizzi going, what happened, man? Why couldn't we do that? <laughs> Why couldn't we fix him? Because Braves didn't give up much to get him. And Grossman, yeah. Yeah, and he's playing a very big role right now. Yeah, there's them. some organizations that I, that's the number one thing I'd look at is how do our guys do when they leave and how do guys do yeah. when they show up here? You know, if guys happen to get worse when they show up and better when they leave, yeah, I don't care how nice the guys working for you are. You know, they're yeah. not they're not nailing it. Yeah, man. I, and I was thinking yesterday was the depth. I'm looking at the depth the Braves have and how far they've come with depth under under Alex Anthopoulos. How he stressed that depth because yesterday you're looking at a situation you're already playing without your all star second baseman. Mm-hmm. And you plug in Gris, Grisman, uh, Gris, Grisman. Grissom has been terrific. And he looks like yesterday briefly gave everybody a scare because it looks like the super rookie there, the second super, yeah. third super rookie on this team this year. They got <laughs> two 21-year-olds and, and, and Strider all just playing above, 
incredible form. But uh, Von Grissom has been terrific, and he goes down yesterday in that collision with with uh, Grossman as a big Stayed boy. Down for a minute too, looked like they just hit knock knees, and those can be some bad situations. Stayed down, and you thought, "Oh shit, he's he's going to be out for a while." And you're thinking the worst, and then you're thinking how much depth they have because Ozzy's can come back if they need to bring him back now. They, yeah, he's ready. They would. Right. He's not really, he's not doing yet what they want him to do, but he's healthy and he, yep. you could bring him back that. So I'm thinking the drop off from what it would have been in the past, you know, when you lose second baseman and, and you're plugging in guys journeyman there, yeah. who should be out of baseball, you know, should not be in the majors. <laughs> right. You're playing made guys that should not be in a major leagues in second base. And, and instead the Braves are getting great production from a 21 year old kid. And they could bring Ozzy back when they need to, and they got and they you know they they get, they got a guy like Grossman where they don't have to play you know they're able to they're able they've been able to kind of uh, protect Ozuna to a degree, even with uh, and and they've been able to protect that lately Acuna when yeah. obviously playing in the field, I mean his knee is just not completely healed yet and he's still not himself at the plate at all. No, but he's at least he's so able to play. Pitches. Right, that he used to crush. That he, but used at least to he's destroy. able to play. Yeah, right. But he's able to play every day. He's a presence at the top of the order. You know, I mean, he's still. Without him, you'd be a lot worse off. But they're able to DH him, so they yeah. they got depth. Is what I'm saying is they they they're not they're not desperate. And they're not playing guys who should be in AAA on this team, and they're getting production. And that bottom of the order has saved their asses this year because the bottom oh, of the yeah, order has. has been, on days on the, when the top of the order has struggled a little bit, you know, Austin's gone through his funks. Uh, obviously, Acuna's not anything close to being himself. Uh, but the bottom of the order has been so productive. I mean, just I mean, blows Harris away what be other down teams there, You know what I mean? They, they've, right. they've Whatever they've their reasoning is for keeping him down there has worked awesome, and I wouldn't right. mess with it. I but on a lot of teams, he's in the one or two hole already. Absolutely. He's getting pitches to hit down there. Yep. They're not able to pitch around him, you know. And even because even Acuna, people still don't want to face him, you know. No. And and then you got Dansby coming up, you got Riley, you got Olson coming up. The top four is still any of those guys can take you out on any pitch. So yeah, I think that's one of the things about Acuna too is you know he's I watch him and I'm like shit, he would have hit that pitch right four sixty before his surgery. You know, it's a lot of fastballs away that he's just a tick late on or not getting through. But when he's on deck and you're facing the nine hole you know he's coming up to do damage. And yep. you know if he doesn't do damage, if he gets a knock, he's got speed. So it definitely forces you to to kind of go see the bottom of that order, which, I mean, you know, it's, there's a lot of leadoff guys that you're not afraid of because you know they're just going to, like McNeil or somebody, if, all right, this guy's going to try to slap the ball around, but I'm not afraid of him. Cunha's still got that fear factor, even when he's not hitting for all his power, where you don't want to face him with a runner on. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Uh, just to underscore what we've been talking about with Acuna, in September, I'm looking at his September stats now. Nine games, he is hitting 205. He's eight for 39, three doubles, no homers, three RBIs, two walks, 11 strikeouts, uh, two stolen bases. I mean, this is just not no. anything. It's a shell of Acuna, you know. The, the the strikeouts, the walks, the lack of power. Um, so, you know, if you talk to people, 
he just gave us, you know, he gave us a false sense of security that first month where he was like, okay, this guy's not natural. He's just going to be himself after coming off major knee surgery. But I think he went a little too hard, too fast. Yeah. And I think the knee, once they got some inflammation going in that knee changed everything, you know, the insecurities feeling in his head, um, they might literally not allow him to, somebody showed the other day, uh, I saw that. Side by side, and you could really see the rotation. I think that was on the Apple broadcast, wasn't it? It was Pence. Yes, it was on the Apple broadcast. Right. Yeah, it was Hunter Pence talking about it. You could literally see the difference in how far he was rotating with his normal swing when he's getting his power, and how where he was seemed to be stopping with the knee bothering him. And that's that's not something you can consciously just say I'm going to do. Right. Especially because you'll do it one time and it'll hurt, and your body will be like, "Okay, we're not going into that position again." But, you know, then you lose a little bat speed. You lose a little bit of your bat path changes because you're not able to rotate the same. And I think that's all you're really seeing is you're just seeing him miss those pitches, especially pitches on the outer half or fastballs up and in that he used to just destroy the opposite field or yank down the line, and he just can't get to him. And I'm sure he's so damn frustrated. You know, I mean, first of all, he was the talk of the town. Now you got these three rookies, and you don't hear about Acuna this year. No, you know, I mean, Nas- nationally or even locally. I mean, he's got a huge, he's a good player, a huge <laughs> group of fans and he's yeah. a great player, great talent, but you're not hearing about him outside of his group of fans because these other guys are being so much more impactful for the yeah. Braves this year. And then around baseball, these other players that he came up, that class he came up with are all making headlines, you know, while he's been hurt, unfortunately, so you know, that's got to like be really frustrating for him. You know I mean? It's got to be really frustrating. Not, not hitting the pitches he's used to, but I think this will all be really, really good for him. You know, it'll give him some perspective that nobody gives a shit about you unless you're good. Right. Nobody cares. If you're not good, nobody gives a shit about you. And you you have to learn that in baseball. And that's kind of how you become cool and get over yourself is that you realize that none of these, none of this, people aren't your friends. You know, they don't give a shit. They they care if you're good and then they love you. And so you learn that lesson and you stop putting so much value in how you're treated by the fans and, and what ESPN saying about you, and you realize it can all be gone like that, and then you just play baseball. But I think it'll also be really good for him because next year he's going to feel good. Right. And next year he's going to be hitting those pitches, and he's going to remember what it felt like to not suck, but he sucks for right. him. He does not right. suck right now, but he sucks for him. He's right. going to remember what it feels like and how how quickly you can lose it, how, how fast your abilities can go away. And I think it's just going to keep him – more and more focused and more and more, you know, this gonna this year is going to make him hungry. So I think next year is going to be a really, really fun season for him. And I think he's just got to wear it this year and it's not easy to do. Great points, man. And I agree. I agree. Totally. It's a, um, to see him not crush those pitches and to be hesitant, taking a lot of close pitches now that he normally would have, that he would have yep. destroyed or at least tried to. He could have to because he could hit a, He's taken call third strikes now, yep. you know, that, uh, yeah, it's just, it doesn't resemble the guy. And it's obvious that he's, that he's limited by the knee. And the second year though, to get back to what I was saying is a lot of guys talk about, especially in football, running backs coming back, talk about that first year back is hard. They can't do the things that they were used to doing, but that Adrian Peterson aside, he was the freak, 
But most guys, the second year is when they get back to being themselves. And I think he will get back to being himself. I don't buy this. You see some people opine online because they're, you know, they're, they're just normal people like me or they're a recreational athlete. And they say, my knee has never been the same. I've never been because you didn't spend all day, every day in physical therapy, right? (laughs) You, You didn't have time to stay away from your job and pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to people to rehab this thing. He does. You did three That's months what of tubing will... at home and you went back to right. sit at the desk. Right. That's yeah. what he does. This yeah. is his living and he will get back. The knee, Chipper Jones didn't say, you know, when he was winning MVP in 1999, if I hadn't hurt my knee, I'd be able to do even more. No, it yeah. didn't, you know, it might've bothered him late in his career. Or arthritis might've been set in or whatever, but it didn't slow Chipper Jones after, you know, he came back and that, and that was back in the primitive, relatively primitive yeah. era of ACL reconstruction. So I don't have any doubt that Acuna is going to get back to 100%. It's just going to be not till next year, obviously. He's not even close to that this year. But I think he'll get back and be, you know, the, the Acuna. But, uh, yeah, it's got to be tough. You're in this, and especially this series. You're in the yeah. series where the two kids who are making big names for themselves, yeah. the, the guys that are probably going to win Rookie of the Year, you know, the guy, the role you were in just a few years ago where you were the talk of baseball two yep. years ago, all of a sudden these two kids are stealing all the headlines. And in this three-game series, Acuna goes 1-4-13, no extra base hits, no runs, no one run, no walks, four strikeouts. I mean, he yeah, did almost just a nothing. Just yeah. He had two stolen bases in the series. He was only ones of the month. That was it. That's all he did. Yeah, it's, and it's, he was DH, so he can't even do anything in the field. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Is it's it's. I think it's a year that's going to make him grow, though. You know, yeah. I think I think every player has to learn this lesson that you're only you know as cool as, or as good as your last game. You know, it's it, baseball is what have you done lately, and that's not to a fault of anybody. That's just that's just the nature of playing an entertainment sport. Nobody right. cares when you're not doing shit. And I think that a lot of guys become attached to it and their identity gets wrapped up in it. And then when you're not getting attention, you can go out and try harder or try to do something or get frustrated. And pretty soon you just you take a step back and you realize like that my squad's in this clubhouse. You know, the, the, these 25 guys in here know how hard I work. They know what I put in. They appreciate the small things I do. And you stop caring if you're on ESPN or you know, if, if your highlight gets, if your, your celebrations and stuff, if they're on anything and you just right. focus on, I'm, I'm part of this group and I want to win. And I think it's a good thing that happens to guys and, and helps them mature. Um, another, another, uh, not problem area, but another area where the Braves need to kind of shore up. Jake Odorizzi has not given them the back of the rotation stability they had hoped well, for when they traded Will Smith to get him at the deadline. Um, and then by doing so, I know everybody said, well, they didn't give up anything to get him. Well, they committed him, him a $12.5 million option next year or most likely a $6.25 million buyout on his contract. And everybody, if you get it, if you just do a, a quick Google search, you're going to come up with half those totals, 6.2, I think, option and a $3 million buyout or whatever. No, those are vested. He only had to make like 30 starts over a two-year span, 30, 30 something starts over. He's made them, right? And so those options are maxed out now at $12.5 million with a $6.25 million buyout basically is what it is. Well, he's going to take the buyout almost certainly because 
you take, it's kind of like Duvall when he had the buyout and remained a free agent. You take the buyout, you exercise, you know, you don't actually, you don't pick up the option because with the buyout, then you add what you're going to get in a salary. Well, he'd only have to have, he'd only have to get a $7 million, $6.5 million salary next year from somebody to make more than he would get exercising that player option, 12.5. You know what I so and he's and as 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 shaky as he's been, he's, he's still, still good enough to get that right. A veteran starting I mean, pitcher on the market. Throw 160 innings, you get eight million. Right, he might get 10 million from somebody yeah. next year. You know, so he's either way, the Braves are on the hook for that. So and he's had a couple of starts where he looked like okay, like that one where he took a no hitter into the sixth inning in St. Louis. Yeah. You know, he pitched great. Like yesterday, they had high hopes for him going into the Sunday finale against the Mariners because of what he had done against the Mariners this year when he was with the Astros. Three starts against the Astros or against the Mariners with the Astros. He had a 2.00 ERA, 13 and a third scoreless innings coming in in the last two starts or 13 two-thirds, one of those. His last two starts against them. His last start against them had come uh, – uh, his last start with the Astros before the trade had come against Seattle. He had eight strikeouts, seven scoreless innings, two hits allowed in that game, July 31st. So he had big hopes going into yesterday. And he didn't make it out of the fourth inning yesterday in a big game for the Braves. Gave up five hits, four runs, three walks. He's now one and two with a 4.97 ERA and six starts for the Braves. 35 hits, 16 earned runs. And here's the killer, 10 walks in 29 innings, just 22 strikeouts. And seven of those 22 strikeouts came in one game against Pittsburgh. Half of his six starts for the Braves, he's lasted fewer than five innings. And he got fewer than six innings in five of the six starts for the Braves. So, and it's not a strikeout pitcher, obviously, or hasn't been for the Braves. So, um, unfortunately, Mike Soroka does not look ready to step in that role yet, and we didn't really think he was going to. You know, no. I know fans had high hopes, but we thought this is a year where just to get his feet under him, pitch some games, and go into the offseason feeling good. But right now, he doesn't look ready to step into that role for sure. And Ian Anderson, they had hoped he'd go down to AAA and figure some things out. So far, he's not done that to any kind of consistency or made any improvement at all. So he doesn't look ready to fit, slip back in there. Fortunately, Kyle Muller has looked good, and Bryce Elder has looked good in the two times up. Elders both have come against the Marlins, though, so I take that with a grain of salt. But Muller has looked pretty good. So I think down the stretch, if you need to, you could always go to them. But, you know, knowing Snitty is probably going to stick with Odorizzi for at least another start or two. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same concept as Kenley. You know, I mean, if, if he can lock in, you're better with him. You know, they've yeah. been giving up on them. They're just, like we talked about, they're in a tougher spot where they can't afford to dink around and, and give away games. Yeah. You know, so yeah. ideally in the playoffs, if if he gets right by then, you're a stronger team with him right than you are trying to piggyback, um, you know, Elder and Kyle Moeller. Because you don't know what you're going to get out of them. But at this point, you don't know what you're getting out of Odorizzi either. Um, the good news well, is that they got four solid, four solid right. starters. Which, and that's all they need for the postseason. That's where you want to be. If you can have four, you're looking pretty good. And there's not really – I mean, Charlie's been throwing the ball a lot better. Strider, Strider. Freed's been – you know who he is. And and Kyle's been throwing the ball great, so – Yeah, it, right leads to NL and, and wins. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – Yeah, your foursome is better. It's great. It's better than any team's foursome. With the Dodgers so. having the injuries they have. Yeah. 
Uh, the Mets are the only team that, because they're so good in the first two, are the only. But we've we've seen again with Scherzer getting hurt. You know, it's like uh, I take the Braves foursome. I think against anybody's going to the postseason. Yeah, because they're all healthy. Freed's pitching great. Wright's pitching great. Charlie is one of the best postseason pitchers of in the last decade, and Strider is phenomenal. You know, he's a strikeout machine. So I like that foursome getting the postseason. Yeah. It's just getting to the postseason that every yeah. fifth day. You don't feel good about Odorizzi going out there at all, you know. And this and every game's a win is is so important if you want to win the division. Well, so. then you then you, that's why I mean, with that force him already locked in, you don't need him necessarily locked in for the playoffs. And you then you totally run, right. you know. I mean, maybe give him another one, maybe don't. You know, trust right. you. They have all these analytics, and you can look at the stats and say what gives us the best chance to win this game. If it's Moeller, if it's Elder, if it's piggyback bullpen, whatever you have to do at this point. If you don't need him in the postseason and the other four yeah. guys are healthy, I, I think you toy around and do whatever you have to do. I mean, I don't think you worry about anybody's feelings at this point. It's a roster spot, so I don't know if you can do it, but if you could have Mueller ready, you yeah. know, ready to come in, jerk, so you don't have to use the whole bullpen, you know, you, yeah. could, you could get Odorizzi out of there in the second or third inning if you had to, and if you, could, if you had Mueller ready to go. Six I like times. that. I like a quick hook and, and somebody yeah. backing him up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a roster spot, but it might be worth doing right now, you know, down the stretch. Yeah. That's the game yesterday. They win despite Odorizzi, not because of it. <laughs> or, yeah. They would have won. They would have, yeah. <laughs> Odorizzi and Jansen started it and ended it in horrible fashion. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a game they, they won yesterday against all odds. That was, uh, that would have been, that would have been tremendous. That would have been, it went from being uh, the biggest win of the season to be one the the most difficult loss in a span yeah. of. In a span I don't know. I mean, I think it. as a team, you can look at it and be like, "Shit, we had no business," you know, right. being in a position to blow it anyway. I, I don't think it. Right. I, I think you fans, can you can rationalize fans. it for yeah. the fans. Yeah. I mean, well, just the highs and lows of holy yeah. shit, we came back. I can't believe this. This team's amazing. This is why we won the World Series. To oh shit, yeah. <laughs> we lost. Yeah, I think most of all for the for the team leaving there, you got to yeah. feel good about it because you went into Seattle. Yeah, they had the biggest crowds of the year there. They were sold out, and you came back and you would should have won that series. Yeah, if Jansen pitches de- pitches a decent inning, you win that series, and you cut and you have the biggest comeback of the year against yeah. a really good team. You're not doing that against you know the year they did it against the reds you know when they scored 9 in the ninth or whatever it was you're doing Brooks that Conrad, against yeah you're doing that against the hottest team in the AL right now you should yeah. have won that series so yeah. as a, so as a team you can feel good about what you've done so far now yeah and if they squared up with those guys with their three studs you know their three best against the the uh mariners three best i think they win that series too right right and that's after sweeping the, the two at oakland and yeah yeah, it's, they're it, fine. I mean, that just it's, some of those losses just suck. But I mean, it's, right? If, if they've cut, they've cut a ten game lead all the way down. They they have the best record of like everything's still great. You know, yesterday yeah, just best record and, since June first. You know, the Mets are good. You know, they're they're not just going to fold when you get up a half game on them. You know, I mean, this right. is this thing's going to come down to the wire no matter what. And if you're the team, you just say, "Shit, that was a tough one." We keep trucking, and you go to San Francisco and. Try to win a series there. Yeah, I guess the Giants team that's uh, not nearly what they had hoped to be, and they're well, not going to the postseason, but they're still, but they're still, but they're still pretty good. I don't understand and, the, the Giants this year. No, no, I don't either. 
Uh, all right. Well, we'll do this again uh, later in the week after the Braves uh, play this three-game series here in San Francisco, and we'll see where they are. But we're at that we're at that stretch, man. Every game feels so important. You look at the standings constantly, and uh, there's a lot to like about this Braves team. That's for sure. A lot to like about where they are and their chances. No, they're good. But they sure look a lot better than they did a year ago at this time. Yeah. You remember where they were. <laughs> yeah. For sure. All right. All right. 755 is real, man. Later in the week. RIP to Anthony Varvara, man. Mm-hmm.